Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Kentucky podcast. I'm Dan Reefer, new host, just joining the show with Kyle Tucker. I'm with Fox 56 in Lexington and a longtime sports guy around here. So glad to be a part of it, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's uh, the, the new era of the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We said goodbye to Kyle Mann in our uh, in our last episode, and uh, he's he's no longer on this earth. No, he's <laughs> <laughs> he's just uh, he's just churning away his uh, NBA uh, videos for the Ringer. But uh, I was super excited to get you uh, on board. You and I have done some stuff together in the past, uh, and have may have some other projects together in the future. But uh, right. may have caught us on TV. We've done a couple uh, couple basketball specials. What, what, what was the, we did a preview and we did the tournament preview last year, right? Yeah, we did a tournament preview last year where we had. Um... Yeah, that, that uh, nice bracket on the big monitor wall. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, Dan, is, Dan has introduced me to the, the magic of television huh. uh, in, the, in the studios. But uh, welcome, man. I'm, I'm really excited to have you. We, um, we're going we're gonna to introduce Dan in the third segment today. We're going to go ahead and uh, kind of let him tell you more about himself. But, uh, but first, there's obviously... Couple, couple big things happened. Kentucky's coming off a, a great opening week in basketball, and yet another kick in the teeth in the Tennessee football series. Dan, what, what, what was your? I guess what's your overarching reaction to what happened in the football game last night? It, one yard. That's really what it comes down to for me. I mean, I saw a lot of people really upset about all kinds of play calls and different things like that, but. It really just comes down to being able to get one yard, whether you want to blame the creativity of the play calling or whatever. But I tend to think those guys um, are pretty good at reading defenses, and mm-hmm. they're they're doing the same thing the entire football game. So uh, they see what's what's out there and what's available, and that's what they thought would work, and they didn't get it. But I mean, that's really it. Yeah. Well, here's what I would say uh, about the two just nauseating defeats for Kentucky this year at home. Florida and Kentucky, uh, Florida and Tennessee. Yeah, it, it, where they hit both times, they blew double-digit leads in the second half. In both those games, in critical moments, is where we really saw how much they missed Benny Snell, because oh, yeah. that's Benny Snell time. I mean, they had what it was it four tries from the four yard inside the four yard line. Yeah, they um, had four, it was first and goal at the six, and they okay, had six. a try from the one and a try from the two. Yeah, and, you know, and in the Florida game, you know, when they're trying to basically just milk the clock and, and hold that lead, they had a short couple short yardage situations where they just couldn't get it. They got stuffed. Um, and those are, those are the moments you just stuck the ball in Benny Snell's belly or you direct snapped it to him or whatever, uh, and you got those yards. Um, yeah. Now, I will say, in, in all the negative of last night, uh, maybe something positive emerged because I think we saw Chris Rod. Well, I know clearly we saw Chris Rodriguez get out of Mark Stoops' doghouse or Eddie yeah. Grand's doghouse, where he fumbled a couple times early in the season, and he was sort of gone from there. He, to me, is uh, if there's anybody on the roster who could sort of replicate the power running of Benny Snell, he's the guy, and he was in there a lot. Now, you know, they're one of those play. I think it was the fourth, the fourth and goal play. They had an option. A sprint yeah. out option, and, and and Bowden did not pitch it to him. I think he still gets swallowed up because there was a defender accounting for him. Yes. But he was the guy in the game. Uh, and so, you know, as you look to build not only to finish this season, but going into next year, 
that's, I think, a positive thing. Um, I think Rodriguez, as long as he takes care of the football, he could be that hammer. And I think, you know, I think Smoke can be the, the breakaway guy. And I, I think, you know, going into next year, they could really have a, a tandem, a one-two punch. Uh, Rodriguez and Smoke, obviously the running backs carrying the ball have been diminished because of Bowden's running. But those two guys uh, who will both be back next year combined for 20 carries and 139 yards rushing, which is great. Um, so I, I do think there's at least some, some encouraging stuff that came out of that, but, but they really, it was the night where you, you, maybe you don't trust Chris Rodriguez to, to, in that short yardage, you're afraid he fumbles. I don't know. Uh, but you missed, you missed Benny Snell a lot last night. Well, and I mean, yes, you do miss Benny Snell, but also here's the, what the third, fourth game in a row where there's not no threat of a passing game. I mean, yes. Bowden, Bowden threw the ball seven times, but there's no threat at all of the passing game. So eventually, I mean, Tennessee just said, well, we're going to put people there. We're going to account for everybody inside. And Stoops alluded to it after the game that they had, uh, I think on like a fourth and three or something like that, they were looking at it and they threw that 38-yard shot to the end zone to Ali that, you know, was way off. Right. And he said, well, we looked at it. They had us, they had us locked down on the perimeter and they had us locked down inside. So we really didn't have an option to run the ball there. So... Doing this without the threat of a passing game yeah. is impressive to me. But I would have liked to see – here's one play Eddie Grant never runs that I never see that I, that all my years of watching football I've seen has had success in many different uh, arenas. And it's, it's the bootleg. Just the simple play action one way and the bootleg back the other way. And right. I, I've never seen it, and who knows? You know, it, it could be horrible and not ever work yeah. for him, but with a guy like Lynn Bowden and his speed and the Keaton Upshaws and the Justin Riggs yeah. uh, that you have, I mean, it would be nice to see that attempted. Yeah, and to me it does feel like those are the guys you probably lean on and not chucking it down the field, but finding ways to, to get some, some intermediate and shorter passes to those tight ends who I think are big-time playmakers. Uh, and really, man, I mean, the people who have suffered here – in this, uh, in this uh, experiment, not experiment, this sort of emergency situation with Lynn playing quarterback, are, the, are all the pass catchers, the wideouts and the tight ends. Because yeah. they've had no action. I mean, they, they completed four passes last night for 25 yards. Uh, I, I think so, I saw somebody tweet that in the last three games, Kentucky wide receivers have caught eight passes. Um, and that's oh, tough. But yeah. I would also say, as people kind of rip into Grant and, and Stoops and, and, you know, why haven't you recruited it better at quarterback, that, that, for, that piece of it, why didn't you recruit better at quarterback and plan better at quarterback, is foolish and throw it out the window. Because they yeah. did. They did. Yeah. I mean, they, they had Mac Jones committed, and he decommitted to go to Alabama. What are you going to do about that? They had Jaron Jones, Jaron Williams committed twice, and he decommitted twice to go to Miami, and they still managed, you know, to pull out of their rear end Terry Wilson, who wins 10 games, you know, and they had two guys, Danny Clark, who was committed to Ohio State and then came to Kentucky, and Gunnar Hoke, who was at Kentucky and then went to Ohio State. So two quarterbacks who Ohio State wanted on the roster last year that should have been on the roster this year, but they transferred because why? Because quarterbacks want to play, and you can only play one at a time. You know, every program in America, even the great programs, the, the elite of the elite, are having guys leave. Georgia yeah. had all these guys. They had Jacob Eason. He left and went to Washington, and he's their quarterback. They had Justin Fields. He left and went to Ohio State, and he's their quarterback because they want to play. 
So are you going to say to Georgia, why didn't you recruit better at quarterback if Jake Fromm gets hurt and they're in an emergency situation? They had the number one quarterbacks in America in two different classes behind him. <laughs> but they, right. you know, like guys leave. So I, I throw that out the window. And I do say, Eddie Grand, the fact that they ran for 300 yards last night with zero threat of passing is a good offensive coordinator. It is good offense. Because to be able to do that when they, everybody knows you're running – is very good. The, the problem is when you get into a short yardage situation like that and, and it's the game on the line and there is no other option and you can just put all 11 guys up there to stop the run, you know, it shows itself as a weakness. It's obviously a weakness not to be able to pass the ball, but Lynn Bowden is now at 600-plus rushing yards in four games yeah. as Kentucky's quarterback. Yeah. He's got a chance to run for 1,000 on the season. You know, I think he's a warrior. Uh, I think it's impressive that Kentucky still is in the mix to go to a bowl game with with this very very limited offense, but we we saw again last night that you're not going to win big, <laughs> you're not going to win a bunch no. when you're playing this way. You just try to hold on and be in position. And that all that said, all the flaws they were they were in position to make one play at the very end of the game to walk off with a victory. And if they make that one play, nobody's complaining about the one sidedness of the offense. And if you listen to Mark Stoops after the game, I mean, the way he describes them being one-dimensional and how they're not built for a two-minute drill and that you're just trying to play to your strengths, which also can become your weakness in games like this, and uh, how much they controlled the clock. And you just got to get that one yard, and then it's a different story. And then how we have no confidence in the kicking game, or maybe we could win the kicking game that way. Maybe we could win the game that way with an extra point and, and a field goal. Or maybe we go for a 50-yard field goal instead of punt. Uh, all those things. Do you think he would play this way if Sawyer Smith was really an option? He, there's yeah. no way. Sawyer no. Smith is just really not an option at this point. I would not be surprised at all if the end of the season that he doesn't play significant time at quarterback, and then at the end of the season we hear he's going to have uh, shoulder surgery or yeah. something like that. He just can't tip his hand to the opponent right now. Right. I mean, they brought him in and let him uh, let him sneak the ball, right, last night? Yes. I mean, like, yeah. like he's – I just think he's not a viable passing – I mean, if, if they thought he could add some passing to the attack, I think they'd have him in there to do it. I don't think they want Absolutely. no no passing. So uh, right. we, we need to take a break, and then we're going to switch gears to basketball. But uh, but we'll talk more over the course of the week about, about this where this football program is and, and still very much in play, a bowl game, I think – based on the results we saw from the, the teams left on their schedule. Yeah, much more encouraging stuff coming up on basketball next on Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. So this one <laughs> people can be happy about, the basketball program. Uh, also, you know, it's interesting. Basketball program, as good as it is, also with pretty major question marks heading into the year. You know, do they have yeah. enough in the front court? Um, and one of the, what I wrote off of the second game of the season uh, was about one of those question marks. And, and one of the reasons I think you have to be, I mean, as, as encouraging as Tyrese Maxey going nuts on uh, Michigan State in the Garden uh, as, as great as Ashton Hagens has played, and I think he's, it looks to me through two games like he's taking his game to another level, perhaps the most encouraging thing that's happened so far in the first week of the season to me, and this is what I wrote for The Athletic, is Nick Richards. Because, one, you know, 
is he mentally, is he physically tough enough is a question. Well, he answered that one in, in the first game because he had a badly, and I mean badly, sprained ankle eight days before that game against Michigan State. And I didn't think he'd play. I don't think anybody thought he'd play. He didn't practice till I think, the day before that game. He told me he didn't know he was going to play for sure until the morning of that game. And he goes out wow. and he plays 25 minutes. And he played terrific. I think he had seven points and four rebounds, but that doesn't, that's not the point. He played really good defense. He, um, he was active. He was very active. He, he at one point, chased Cassius Winston in a, in a pick and roll, chased him all the way around the perimeter of the floor and, and out of bounds for a turnover. Uh, I looked, and, and he had six uh, pick and roll possessions with, against Winston. Uh, I think all of them, his partner on defense was Ashton Hagens. And together they allowed zero made field goals in those six pick-and-roll situations, a seven-footer wow. on an All-American point guard. Yeah. Um, and then he follows that up by coming out, and he should play well against teams like Eastern Kentucky. They're oversized or overmatched. But how many games have we seen Nick Richards not do that against lesser competition? He comes out and he has 21, 10, and four blocks, makes 10 of 11 shots, yeah. does exactly what Cal talked about this summer, which is keep it simple. You dunk it or you do the jump hook, which is totally unblockable, and that's it. And that's literally all he did. He dunked it or he did the jump hook, and he made 10 out of 11 shots. I thought he – I thought through the end of the first week, if you weren't super excited about what you've seen so far from Nick Richards, given the concerns going into the season, you're crazy. I, th- I think that was the biggest development of all. Well, and he – you mentioned how many times have we seen him not do this. Well, he's only had one other double-double in his career, which I found to be – Amazing. Uh, yeah, I could not believe it. I'm like, no, that's not right. Somebody's made a mistake. No, he's had one other 20-point game, which was also the other double-double that he had, and it was against Fort Wayne in 2017. Yeah, 25 and 15 in like his third or fourth college game, and everybody's yeah. like, oh, this guy's going to be amazing. So <laughs> right. I guess we do have to say don't overreact to this. But, yeah, it, it, it's to be a seven-foot McDonald's All-American in your third year and this is just your second double-double, is, is, it is hard, hard to believe. But you made some points in your article uh, that I thought were, were big, like sacrificing for the team, like like playing through that pain because he needed uh, to do this for his team. And that, that's, a, that's a mental toughness thing to do yeah. that. And then in addition to that, uh, just like knowing what to do, he, he said uh, what, slow, it's slowing down for him, that he's starting to understand things that he didn't understand before, like how to play the pick and rolls and how he was taught to do it in high school versus how he was taught to do it here. And it's just all starting to sink in. And we got to remember that not everybody uh, can get this down and, and excel and go in the first round of the draft after one year. Like, look at Kerry Blackshear. I mean, yeah. he's probably going to be the player of the year in the SEC. He's not a freshman. I mean, he's a you know, grad transfer. Yeah, fifth-year so, senior. So sometimes it takes some guys longer. And it's not that big of a deal, I don't think, but it is at Kentucky because everybody has that one-and-done mentality, and if you don't do that, then you're a failure. But Nick Richards, if he, if he can keep this up, if he can especially feast on these opponents they have coming up this, this schedule. And just really that, build his confidence. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's it right there. Yeah, and like that, that's an, you make a really, 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 really good point about Blackshear because – you know, the hype now for him is like he's a first-team All-American, he's the preseason SEC player of the year. 
As a freshman at Virginia Tech, he averaged six points and four rebounds. <laughs> right. You know, as a, as a sophomore, he had 12 and six. You know, pretty good, but nobody's All-American. No. And then last year, even on the season, his number is not that great. 14, you know, 15 points and seven rebounds. I mean, that's good, very good, but it's not, like, stunning. He took off, like, in the middle of the conference season. They had one of their best players get hurt, and they had to lean on him, and he took flight. But even, you know – Two months into last season, nobody no I would say nobody in America thought even that he was an all ACC player. Two months into last season. Yeah. I mean what he became an all all ACC guy in the back half of the season when they really needed somebody to step up and he did. And but until that opportunity arose, nobody even knew he could be that good. Uh and so and that's a you know they are all on different timelines, and Cal says that a lot. But in Nick Richards' case in particular, it, 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 you know, people get tired of hearing the same thing over and over, but it's, it is worth remembering with him. When you start playing basketball at, like, 14 years old, right. as opposed to Tyrese Maxey started playing basketball at four years old. Mm-hmm. Four years old with a, co- with a former uh, Washington State player as his father and co- high, longtime high school coach as his father teaching him everything about the game from four years old and they began serious training at eight years old yeah. to a guy, Nick, who played soccer in the Baham- in, in Jamaica, uh, right. you know, who uh, didn't literally didn't know anything about the way the game of basketball was played until he was 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. Um, so he's, they have really sort of methodically, I think, educated him on basketball and tried to give it to him and, in you know small doses here and there and so it doesn't overwhelm him and I think you know he just said the more you play basketball the better you get at it <laughs> like it's a real it's a really simplified thing but yeah. you know I think we maybe are seeing the light come on for him before we get out of this segment I wanted to get from you what what stands out what stands out for you the most about these first two games uh, from what we've seen of Kentucky basketball well, I mean, for sure, Nick is one of them because uh, Kentucky's post, I mean, they're shorthanded up front. And uh, But another one that stands out is just Nate Sestina's value. Uh, I don't think anybody, even the coaches, could have predicted how big of a piece he would be to all this to kind of tie it together. I mean, I guess he would be your glue guy, you would say. But how he's talking and setting an example of how to communicate on the floor and just like his unselfishness, like he's showing everybody this is how – you this is how you do it this is how a mature guy is an example of a teammate this is how you treat other people on your team this is how we come together and that just selflessness like who have they had that have been that selfless uh over the years like especially a a grad transfer um to go with the talent of uh second year ashton Hagens and the mentality of a second year emmanuel quickly and just the the superstar that Tyrese Maxey is going to be. And then I thought it was great how, how Calipari was talking about Tyrese saying that he came up to him um, before the EKU game, like, I trust you. Like, I- I'm good with coming off the bench. And then Maxey doesn't even take a single shot in the first half against EKU. And Cal's like, that's, that's what we needed. We needed a game where we have several different guys score double digits. Like, we needed a game to get Keon some shots and Khalil Whitney some shots and Juzang to get a chance to put some shots up. And so, just early on, I am super impressed by all of it. Because Mm -hmm. if you go right down the line, you can see, like, Emmanuel quickly, he's fine. 
Don't, don't worry about him. Nick is coming on the way you wanted him to. Sestina. Hagens. And now it's just about getting Whitney and Brooks and Juzang kind of going the way he needs him to go. But you're not going to have to worry about Maxi either. Uh, so it just looks really good for this non-conference slate that's coming up. Yeah, I, I, Nate with a double-double, 12 and 11, and a couple blocks, a couple steals, did a lot of things. Uh, you know, Hagens, to me, has elevated his game. I mean, he had 11 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. He's doing everything a little bit better. Yes. Uh, and, and seems really in control and composed. And I did, I do agree with you that just the attitude for a guy like Tyrese Maxey to be a McDonald's All-American, and, but to be a freshman, and in his first college game he goes bonkers in the garden against the number one team in the country – to come back down and, and not have the big head and to say, like, this is cool, I'll come off the bench again. Yeah. And, you know, it's cool, I'll, I'll defer to my teammates and let them play in this game. It's kind of a showcase for everybody. That's enormous that he's that way. Um, and then the other thing we haven't mentioned yet, I think we'll just do a whole maybe a whole episode on this uh, later this week. The one concern to this point to me is E.J. Montgomery. Yes, now he's hurt and absolutely. missed the last game, but he was uh, very o- underwhelming in the preseason. I think he did hurt himself early in that game uh, against Michigan State and was kind of hobbling around, but was kind of a non-factor in that game as well. He's the one one red flag, but if Nick Richards and Nate Sestina will play the way they are, they, they'll just roll without him. Uh, yeah. But I think they'd prefer not to. So we'll take one more break and let people know who Dan Reefer is. Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. So we don't want to use the entire segment to talk about me. Even oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we I do. could use a whole episode to talk about me, but then we wouldn't have any listeners. So, no, but I've been around the block uh, a little while in Kentucky. Uh, started out at Fox 56 back in 2000 with a, uh, a half-hour high school sports show. And then from there I went down and worked in the Deep South uh, covering Auburn for a while in the state of Georgia. We were in uh, Columbus, Georgia. So we would cover Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia Tech. And uh, football, basketball, we just kind of like would put like a super down below that said, oh, these basketball teams played and who won? Because they don't care about it down there. But no, um, that gave me a chance to see big time college football, like to go to Auburn, Alabama games and to go to Bryant-Denny Stadium and to go to the SEC championship and um, and to go to the Masters and to go to the Daytona 500 and Talladega. So that was really cool for those early years in my broadcast career to go and experience the bigger things and cover some of those. And then I came back to um, Kentucky to work at Channel 36, the ABC station in Lexington, um, for about five or six years and covered uh, UK in the, you know, the national championship run in 2012. And, uh, and then in 2013... Uh, I had gotten kids and decided eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna step away from this life so that I can see these kids a little more because in a, a TV sportscaster you don't get home till after midnight yep. and you work weekends and I just wasn't liking it so for for the next two years after that I kind of just did high school football on Friday nights and that was really all I covered and kept up with UK of course uh, and then after that I got back into it again and just kind of. Uh, Picked up more and more and started doing radio with Mary Jo Perino, who now does that Hey Kentucky show. And uh, so for the last, I guess, six years, five or six years, I've just kind of been in different things. You know, still do um, 
uh, high school football on Friday nights on Fox, and then have added this season when the season started, added this half-hour sports show on Sunday nights called Out of Bounds on Fox 56, uh, where we just kind of go over the main topics and issues from uh, UK games and get into stuff that happened over the weekend. And uh, and then for the last, oh, for like four years, I had that Dan and Mary Joe show on the radio, and then we were doing that every weekend, and we decided, well, eh, we kind of like to have our weekends back. So <laughs> we did a podcast for a little while, but um, our lives get so busy with everything that we just said, eh. Let's just do it. We're done. We'll 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 worry about that podcast later again if we want to revisit it. But then I now I have this up. podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got you before uh, Mary Mary Joe could get you back. But yeah. uh, you're also uh, you're probably gonna get mad at me for, <laughs> for uh, saying this. Here but we you're, go. You're also uh, famous in least local uh, local lore, uh, local sports media lore for the funniest. Anthony Davis moment in history <laughs> <laughs> where you, for, for people who are listening, Dan uh, was interviewing Anthony Davis. We were in a kind of a group thing in the practice basketball gym and I was there. A bunch of us were there. Dan was interviewing and Cutler was there. <laughs> Alan Cutler. Yes. The famously mustachioed Alan Cutler. And it's important to note that this was before the Louisville game because the reason that's important to note is because before any big game, like if this been pre-EKU, um, well, nothing would have happened. Right. But before big games, Alan Cutler needs to make sure that you're aware that he is he's there. <laughs> yes, he does. And in general, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. And so I may be telling it wrong. So you'll just step in and interrupt me if I get it wrong. But uh, at one point, I believe Cutler started wa- waving his mic his fu- you know furry covered uh, uh, microphone in the view of uh, Dan's my, yeah camera. I mean he's blocking like, block, my shot block, blocking yeah. the camera with his microphone. Well, well the thing is like um, sometimes like for instance Alan Cutler that day had a camera person with him so all Alan is doing is holding a microphone and his camera guy is jockeying for position to get the shot. Well for me that day it's me with the with the camera and the microphone both. And so they usually would bring out three guys at once. Well, instead, they brought out Anthony Davis by himself. And so there's 30 people trying to get Anthony Davis just crowding around. And I didn't get a spot. So I'm like, well, I'll wait till they bring out somebody else. Surely they'll bring out somebody else. This crowd will thin down. I'll move in. That happened. So Cutler was in the first scrum to get Anthony Davis. Then I think they bring out Darius Miller. Everybody goes over there. And talks to him. And now it's me and Anthony Davis and like two other people. And Cutler has gone, he's interviewed Anthony once. He's gone and interviewed somebody else. And now he's back again. And I'm just going on a line of questioning. I just had this line of questioning about how Anthony Davis was with those guys at the McDonald's All American game who were now at Louisville and just how playful they were about it and, and how much he'd like to beat them and, and that kind of thing. So I had maybe like three or four questions on that. And I was into the third one. And Cutler was like, Hey, Bubs, can I get a question in here? <laughs> I said, you try to dominate interviews all the time. I'm finishing up a line of question. It'll be done in a second. Just, just. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not allowing this to happen. And waves his microphone in front of my camera to block my shot. So he, he's saying, I'm not going to allow you to do your job anymore. And it's all based on ego. Yes. And I mean, I saw red. 
It ran all over me. I thought, I thought, I really thought we were going to get a physical altercation. Dan and Cutler, within moments of that happening, were chest to chest. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Davis, his one, <laughs> his just, one eyebrow yeah. was working, was working, was working overtime, raising up and down. His one, one eyebrow, I can still see it in my head. Yeah. Just, uh, Raising up and down, like, what is happening? He was just, like, getting increasingly concerned as this was yeah. going down in front of him. And you're, you're doing the hilarious thing where you're, like, gritting your teeth and sort of talking between your teeth, like, oh, yes. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beepity 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 beep. And uh, <laughs> so, anyway, it, it got diffused. The, the funniest, one of the funniest parts was that Mets Camfield, who went on, he was in uh, UK Sports Info, went on to uh, run coachcal.com for a while. He was a younger, newer guy in the in the program at the time. Yes, uh, early twenties. And he was left alone in there. I think Dwayne Peavy, who was at SID at the time, had walked out and left kind of left Mets in charge. And Mets is about to crap himself. He comes <laughs> he comes he comes running over there and he's like, Whoa, 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 He's thinking, like, if these guys if I'm left alone in charge of this and these guys beat each other up in front of <laughs> Anthony Davis and a melee breaks out, I'm gonna be fired. So he, yeah. he gets it stopped, and no, Peavy walked back in. That's okay. who stopped it. Okay, it was but, because we're we're chest to chest, and it actually, the fist was about to come out. Like <laughs> I, I've still got the camera on my shoulder, and so I put the camera down, and I am fully expecting to come up to fight. And, oh my god, I wish that had happened so bad. I, I'm I glad it didn't for point. you because you probably would have gone to jail or something, but. It would have been bad, yeah. But at that point, as soon as I put the camera down and turn around, PV has stepped in between us That's and just kind of laughing. He's like, "What are you? What are you guys doing? Come on, come on, yeah." yeah so, so the capper. We'll we'll end with this. I think this is a great ending to our first episode. Uh, the capper is after this is all said and done and everything clears out. Anthony Davis says to Dwayne PV, "That dude with the stash don't play." <laughs> <laughs> well. So well, good. and even at the at the game, like uh, we were seated next to each other, we were s- supposed to be sitting next to each other on the floor at Rupp Arena that ne- that oh, game wow. the next day. And uh, luckily, Rob Bromley was there to to volunteer to like move in between us, so. <laughs> the buffer. Well, that's a good. I think that's a good place to stop. Now people have a little yeah. bit of an idea who who you are, Dan. I think a lot of people around here already knew, but I'm really glad to have you on board. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be here like always Monday through Friday talking to cats. So. Uh, stick with us, like it, subscribe, uh, tell your friends about it, follow Dan on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Dan? It's at DReefer, so it's at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. And I'm at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. We will talk to you soon. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.